Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. The idea for these few verses that we read this morning is, I believe, the idea of generosity, of having this giving sort of mentality. If you look in verse number one, verse number one begins with the word cast, to cast your bread upon the waters. Verse number two continues, give, give a portion to seven and also to eight. Verse number four says, he that observeth the wind shall not sow. Here's this idea spoken in verse number one, in verse number two, and in verse number four about this idea of giving, of sowing, of casting, of being generous. And I think every single one of us understands this idea that it's good for us to be generous. But I think there's also a very important spiritual principle for us to remember and to acknowledge when it comes to generosity. It is that God works through generosity. That God works through our giving. In verse number five, he says, As thou knowest not the way of the spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. There's so much that we don't know. There's so much that we don't know about this world, so much that we don't know about the future, so much that we don't know about God. That we don't fully understand the mind of God. We don't fully understand the ways of God. And we don't fully understand how God works and how God could work through different circumstances. When you just take a look at all throughout the Bible and all throughout scriptures, you see men and women of faith, and sometimes they had wonderful victories and and days that they were able to proclaim, you know, praise the Lord, and they were joyful and exceeding glad for the victories and successes that they were able to experience. And yet there were other times in which they're wondering, God, what are you doing here? God, why am I here? God, what, what, what is going on? There's so much that we don't know about God and about how God works. And sometimes when it seems like the things that we give and the things that we, you know, uh, cast and we, we put out there, sometimes we wonder, is this really making a difference? Is this really doing anything? Is this really doing what we hope that it would? But I believe that the lesson of these verses is that though we don't always understand how, God does work through every single gift that is given, through every single sacrifice, through every single offer that is made for the glory of God in the name of our Lord. In verse number five, he says, as thou knowest not the way of the spirit. The word spirit, of course, carries this idea of maybe, you know, the, the inner part of who we are, but it's also the word that is used for the wind. And, and he's saying sometimes you don't know how the wind works and you don't know how the wind blows and which way it's going to be. And, you know, if you've ever stood near a campfire, you know, I have this plague where if I stand near a campfire, the smoke always blows in my face. You ever been there? You know, you try to, you know, get some marshmallows and roast some marshmallows or some hot dogs, it blows in your face. And so you think, you know what, if it's blowing this way, you know what I should do? I should go on the other side. You know what happens when you go to the other side? Somehow the wind blows the other direction and it's still in your face. How does that work? How does that happen? I have no idea. No matter which side I always seem to stand on, it always seems to be blowing 
in my face. And so eventually I give up and I say, somebody else go do this for me because, you know, I can't breathe, I can't see. And, you know, uh, you, you might be able to think that you could predict how the wind would blow and yet you can't. The second illustration is, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child. You know, as uh, if you've been coming to our church, you'll know that we have our third child on the way, and we're excited, we're glad, and, you know, with modern technology, you know, you're able to see, you know, little pictures of the baby, and as the baby's, you know, growing, they measure how, you know, how big the baby is, and things like that, and, you know, that's exciting, and that's, that's wonderful, and, and uh, the illustration here about it is that, you know, the, these these babies, these children, every one of us came from this single cell and from that one cell, somehow God grows a fully formed human being. Now, how could all of this, our eyes and our brains and our hands and our feet and our bodies and our organs and every part of us grow from just a single cell? It's still a mystery in many ways. I mean, there's some scientific answers, of course, but really all of it comes down to God does work in these ways. And sometimes you can't see it, but we do see the end result. And God uses generosity in many ways behind the scenes in ways in which we cannot see. Job chapter 5 says, which doeth great things, speaking of God, and unsearchable, marvelous things without number. Matthew chapter 21, Jesus saith unto them, did you never read in the scripture the stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner? This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. How wonderful for us to kind of look and to wonder and to see something and wonder, you know what, is this really God's plan? Is this really going to do something? And yet we see that God works through generosity. And the admonition is to continue to give while we have chance to give of our time, to give of our resources, to give of our prayers, to give to others. And the admonition is for us, first of all, to stand patiently. In verse number one, the word is, cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Now, I don't know about you, but when I first read the verse and uh, I first came across this verse, uh, the first picture that came to mind about casting bread upon the waters is somebody who is feeding the ducks and they're, you know, they got the little bread and they cast their bread on the waters, you know, you go to a park and there's like a pond, you know, and in the pond there might be some ducks, you know, and, you know, you might see an old man, you know, have an old bag of stale bread or there's a bench there, you know, just kind of facing the water. It's just kind of a nice uh, feeling there. It's quiet. It's calm. You know, you just sit there, relax, and enjoy the, the scenery. You enjoy some of that little uh, sliver of nature that's there in front of you. And, you know, if there's ducks there, you know, you can see he pulls out the bread, you know, rips off a piece, casts it into the water, and you see the ducks chasing after the bread, you know. And, you know, it's a, an experience that maybe uh, you've seen or had in your lives. And, uh, but I don't think that's what Solomon's talking about. I don't think Solomon was standing there at the edge of the waters, casting the bread into the water. So what, what exactly is he meaning when he says, cast your bread upon the waters? Well, if you took your bread, and you, or you just took any piece of food, and, uh, and you dropped it into the water, none of us is chasing after it, right? You know, you have a sandwich and it falls in the water, you're like, that's it for the sandwich, <laughs> right? We would consider it, you know what, that's gone. That's wasted. And if you took your bread and you cast it upon the waters, you would say, well, I guess that's it for that, right? There's nothing more there. It's gone. It's done and it's wasted. 
And sometimes it's tempting to think, you know what, I gave, I served, I did, I cast, I, I did all of these things, and you know what, there's nothing there. No result, no fruit. It can be tempting for people to think that. But I want us to, first of all, notice a few basic principles. First of all, generosity is personal. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. You know, it's easy to be generous with other people's things. Other people's time, money, and skills. But it's harder to be generous with our things, with our money, and our time, and our things. There's a politician who said that the billionaires and the millionaires should give their fair share. Until he became a millionaire. And then it was no longer the millionaires that needed to give their fair share, just the billionaires, you know? It's like all those rich people over there, they need to do something until he became one of them. And then he said, you know what? It's still not me, it's somebody else, you know? And that's very natural. That's human nature. Human nature is always to think, you know what? I, you know who should do that? That guy over there. You know who should do something about this? Brother so-and-so. Brother so-and-so should be involved in this. You know who should be over here? Sister so-and-so. They, they should be doing that. They, they got time. I know they have time, and I know that they have resources. And they should be giving, and they should be serving, and they should be doing more. But when it comes to generosity, let's not look around for somebody else to be generous. Let's take a look within. Let's make this personal. Because generosity is profitable. That's the lesson here generosity makes a difference. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. God here gives to us a promise that God, whatever we give for God in generosity will return. There's a, a guarantee that is given there. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 6 says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. I don't know about you, but I want a bountiful harvest. I want to be able to reap much. But if we're going to reap much, we must sow much. And we must cast out much. And he says, therefore, if you desire to reap much, then sow much. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. You know what God says? God says you want to reap a great harvest? So, so bountifully, give much. Proverbs 19 says, He that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord, and that which he hath given will he pay him again. See, God has given to us this wonderful promise regarding giving and sacrificing and, and being generous and being able to reap a reward because of it. Luke chapter 6 says, Give and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down and shaken together. Running over shall men give unto your bosom, for with the same measure that ye meet, with all it shall be measured to you again. So here we have this admonition to make generosity personal but also to understand that we should give cheerfully because of the promise. But there is a third lesson for us to learn that generosity is patient. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it. You will find it. 
but when? When will you find it? You will find it after many days. You know, it's hard for us to wait. Hard for us to be patient. You know, we want things now. You know, we, Amazon has two-day shipping, and two-day shipping wasn't enough, so now they want one-day shipping. You know, they want it not just one day, I want it today, not tomorrow, today, you know? And that's the, you know, the, the natural tendency of people is I don't want to wait, I want something right now. You know, when I get my family together in a car, you know, my kids will ask, when are we going to get there? How long is it going to take, you know? And, you know, I, I stopped giving answers. I just said, it's a very, very, very long time. Don't worry about it, you know? It's a long time, you know? And they wait as long as they can, and then they say, are we there yet? <laughs> no, we're not there yet. We're still a very, very, very long way away. It's only 15 minutes away, but for them, 15 minutes may as well be eternity. You know, for us, the children of God, I wonder how often God looks at us the same way. We look at God and say, how long? Are we there yet? When is it coming? And, and God says, don't worry about it. It's, it's coming soon. Don't worry about it. And, Sometimes it's hard for us to cast our bread upon the waters when we haven't seen the return from the bread that we cast yesterday. You know, you give yesterday and you're hoping for a return, but you, you didn't see anything. And you give it again the next day and you give it again the next day and you cast it out again the next day and day after day after day you're casting it out on, onto the waters, but then what happens if none of that is yet returned? It can be tempting to think, you know what, maybe this doesn't work. Uh, maybe the promise of God isn't true, but God encourages us, be patient. Day after day, trust the Lord. Week after week, trust God. Month after month, just continue to trust the Lord. God's promises will hold true. Sometimes we have to wait many weeks. Sometimes we have to wait many years. Sometimes we have to wait until we get to heaven to receive the full reward. But God's admonition is, don't let that stop you. Know that the promise is true. Continue to give so that you might reap the reward. The second lesson for us regarding generosity and the admonition for us, if we know that that is what God desires for us to do, that God works through our generosity, is to then seek possibilities. This is really uh, speaking about the spirit of generosity. To have a spirit of giving. Giving is not just something that we do that's a check mark on our to-do list. Yep, I gave something today, I'm done. Generosity is really a spirit, an attitude that we have that is more than just an action. It's an attitude of, I want to give. You ever know people who really have nothing to give and yet they still want to give? I mean, that's that kind of giving sort of attitude. They have nothing, but they still want to give something, if at all possible. And God gives to us a few illustrations describing the spirit of generosity, the first of which is in verse number two. Give a portion to seven and also to eight, for thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. So the number seven is often considered to be the number of completion, right? There are seven days in a week. Once you're done with the week, you start over again, right? So you could kind of see this give a portion to seven carries the idea of, you know what, I've given enough, right? I've, I've completed this portion of mine, this responsibility of giving, I've given enough. Do you remember once when uh, Peter came to Jesus and Peter came to him and, and said, 
Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? And he throws a number out there. I'm sure he's thinking like, surely this is enough. How often does my brother sin against me the same thing again and again and again? How often do I have to forgive him before it's like, all right, I don't have to forgive him anymore. I did enough. He says seven times. You remember what Jesus' response was? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. The lesson there and the lesson here is that, you know what, sometimes there's a tendency for us as, as humans, as uh, uh, our, our nature is to think, you know what, I've done enough here. But the spirit of generosity is, even though I've done my part, even though I've given it my all, the attitude of generosity is, if I could do more, I would. If I could give another thing, I would. If I could help in any other way, I would. Now, we're all limited in terms of our time. We're limited in terms of our resources. We're limited in terms of our, you know, we can only be in one place at the same time. You know, we can't run 24 hours a day. We need to rest. We need to uh, uh, recharge and things like that. But the spirit of generosity is one of, you know what, if I could give more, I would. If I could uh, do another thing, I would. And there are some people that, you know, they, they give all that they can and still at the end of the day, they're like, you know what, I, I want to give more. And sometimes you even have to stop them. You know, you, you've given enough. All right, let, let, let somebody else take over. You know, just trust the Lord that God will continue to do the work. And sometimes we can't. Sometimes it's impossible. But the spirit of generosity is one of, you know what, if I could, I would. Second Corinthians chapter 8 says, Moreover, brethren, we do, wit, uh, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. The churches of Macedonia are churches like Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea. You might know some of these names. They're, these are these churches in the area of Macedonia. And there was some grace that was given from God upon the people of these churches. How? In verse number two, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints." You know what Paul is saying? These people shouldn't have been able to give and to, to sacrifice and to contribute to the ministry. And yet that was their heart. That was their attitude. They said, you know what? We, we really can't do anything, but what we can do, let's do that. And they took all that they could and they gave it to Paul and said, please take it and use it for the ministry. The next illustration that God gives is in verse number three. If the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth, and if the tree fall toward the south or toward the north, in the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. What a profound statement. If a tree falls, that's where it falls. You might think, what a lesson. <laughs> you know, what, what am I supposed to learn out of this? Well, I think uh, the first half of the verse might be a little bit easier for us to understand. If the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth, right? If the clouds be full of rain, it's an interesting statement. Which clouds are full of rain? Maybe we should ask the question this way. Which clouds are not full of rain? 
Because what are clouds? Rain. <laughs> They're water. Right? So when he says, if the clouds be full of rain, what he's saying is, you know what clouds are? Clouds are rain. They're made of water. They're made of rain. They're full. Every single cloud that you see is full of rain. And you know what rain does? It falls to the ground. That's what it does. You know what clouds do? Clouds carry water and they cast it upon the earth. Now, you don't always know when and you don't always know where. You know, sometimes, you know, even this morning as you, as you came into the church, I'm sure that we all saw the clouds in the sky. You know, it's a cloudy morning today here in Gardena. But you know, it wasn't raining this morning. The clouds are going to drop their rain somewhere. But today it doesn't seem to be raining here. Somewhere it's going to rain, but not here. When is it going to rain? You ever look at the weather forecast and, you know, the day before you're trying to plan out, you know, the next day, you know, what should I wear and, you know, should I bring an umbrella, should I not bring an umbrella? And sometimes I'll look at the weather and I'll be like, ah, it's going to rain from like 10 o'clock until 5 o'clock, you know, we should, you know, prepare for that. And then you wake up the next morning and it says it's going to rain from 12 o'clock until 7 o'clock. And you're like, oh, okay, in the morning time, it'll be fine. In the afternoon, it might start raining. So we should get back in before it starts raining. And then in the afternoon, it, the forecast changes again. Now it's going to rain from 4 o'clock until 6 o'clock. And then all day it didn't rain at all, you know. And uh, sometimes we don't know where it's going to rain. We don't know when it's going to rain. But what we know is it's going to rain. It's going to rain because that's what clouds do. You know, I believe the lesson that God wants for us to learn is that we should be like that. That the attitude should be, you know what, that person is a giving person. I don't always know when that person's going to give, and I don't always know where that person is going to participate in giving, but I know that person is a giver. He's a giver. She's a giver. And she's going to give somewhere. She's going to participate in something. He's going to go out there and going to participate in this giving. And I, I hope that that's the, the spirit that we have, that we want to be a blessing, that we want to give, and they want to uh, 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 give generously. Verse number six gives us the last illustration. In the morning, sow thy seed, and in the evening, withhold not thine hand. For thou knowest not whether shall prosper either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike good. You know what he's saying is, you know what, in today's day and age, you know, we have a lot of technology. And uh, we know all of the things that we need in order to grow, you know, plants and to grow crops and to grow fruit. And uh, we know that, you know, when you're a kid, you learn, okay, what do plants need? Of course, they need water, they need sunshine, you know, they need these things. That's how they grow. But, you know, when you get into the real science of it, they know what kind of soil is good soil and the soil that they put in there and they've got different minerals and things that the plants need in order to grow well and to grow healthy and to grow good fruit and you need all of those things and so technology kind of allows us to kind of measure the soil and things like that so farmers will know all of these things they'll know about their fields they'll know all of the details of the fields but in the day of solomon they had no idea they had no idea whether this was, you know, fantastic soil or just okay soil. They didn't know whether it was evenly distributed. You know, sometimes they could tell, but they didn't always know these things. And so they said, well, you know what? Let's just cast the seed everywhere. 
And you don't know if maybe this patch, maybe it doesn't look so good, but maybe it'll just grow a great harvest. And over here, we'll cast over here. And, and you never know what'll happen. And, and the idea was that because they didn't know where would be the most profitable, they wanted to be as generous as possible with their sowing. Remember Jesus, when he gave the illustration of the sower and the seed, and he said the sower went out and he just cast his seed out into the field. And, you know, there was some good soil. There was some thorny soil. There's some rocky soil. There was some, you know, wayside soil. There's different soil. But, you know, he would just cast it out everywhere and just see wherever it grew is where it grew. And, and the idea was that, you know what, I don't know where this generosity will produce the greatest fruit. So I want to be as generous as possible in order to receive the greatest fruit, because I know something's going to grow out of this. I know I'm going to get a harvest, and I want the greatest harvest possible. So I just want to get everything as much as possible. You know, if you go into the field of investing, uh, you know, a big thing that's, you know, kind of risen over the years is the index fund. The index fund is basically you get everything. You know why? Because if you pick this company or that company and you invest into this, you know, group over here, you know, we don't know. Is it going to go up? Is it going to go down? Even if companies make money, sometimes you don't make any money because the stock price doesn't go up at all. So everybody said, well, you know what? Let's just get everything and we'll get the harvest out of that. And that's kind of the heart and attitude here as well of, you know what, if we want a good a product, a good result, then let's be as generous as we possibly can. That was the heart and the attitude of generosity. Which brings us thirdly and lastly to this principle of stay persistent. Stay persistent. Verse number four, he that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. When the farmer would sow his seed into the field, he would take his bag of grain and he would just cast it out into the field. But it was a very imprecise science. You know, now we got these big John Deere tractors and, you know, they plant it into the ground at specific intervals, you know? And if you've ever driven past these fields of like corn, you know, it's a beautiful thing. They have these perfectly straight rows of corn and perfectly spaced. And as you drive by, you just kind of see the pattern just kind of go by the window. It's, it's, it's a great thing. But back in the day, they didn't have that kind of precision. They would just throw it out into the field. And, and sometimes it would grow in patches over here. There might be more seed over here and a little bit bare over here. But, you know, they would just cast it out into the field. And uh, so they would just continue to do that. And there might be portions that are better and, you know, less uh, 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 well-sown. But if it was a windy day, you know, you would cast it out over here and the wind would carry it over this way. But as I mentioned earlier, if you're around a campfire, you know sometimes the wind can flip directions really quickly. So you cast it out over here and it goes over there. And so you think, ah, the wind's blowing this way. So if I cast it over here, it'll land over here. But I'm sure that as it would be, Murphy's Law, as soon as you cast it over here, guess what? The wind's going to blow it that way. And so you're like, ah, it's over there. And so you, you try to compensate and you, blow, you cast it over here and then the wind changes and now it goes over here and there's an empty patch right there. You know, what, what am I supposed to do here with this thing, you know? And, and so you could imagine a farmer getting frustrated with that and being like, you know what? I'm not sowing if it's windy. I'm going to wait until it's calm and then I'm going to sow. Ah, that might be very tempting. Or what about the farmer that needs to harvest? He that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. 
I remember going camping as a kid and, uh, you know, sometimes you go camping at, uh, you know, these campgrounds, you know, you just kind of park your car, you set up a tent, you know, and you, you go camping there. Sometimes you actually go camping out into the woods. Uh, when I was in uh, college, I was part of the, you know, the, the college and career class in my church. We were up in Washington State, and so every year they would go camping. The guys, we would go camping uh, in, the, in, in, in Mount Rainier, and uh, so we would drive over there, and uh, we would carry everything with us. Uh, we would carry our tent, we would carry our sleeping bag, we would carry our food, we would carry our water. Like, we're, we're out there and there's nothing. There's no food, there's no water, there's no bathrooms, there's, there's nothing. And so you would just go out there. And uh, I remember the first time that I went, I went with a, a buddy of mine. He was working, I was taking uh, classes, I was in college. And so uh, we had to, you know, wait until he was done working and I was done with my classes and we drove over there. And uh, so he drove, you know, uh, we, we drove out there and uh, we parked the car. It was pretty late at nine. It was like nine or 10 o'clock at night uh, by the time that we got out there. It was a couple drive, uh, hours drive away. And so we, we drove out there, it was dark. And uh, my friend, Mike, he had been there before and he had, you know, they were going to the same place that they went the year before. I'd never been. And uh, so I just followed my friend, Mike. And uh, we're out there hiking in the woods in the middle of the night. And I have no idea where we're going. And uh, so Mike is leading us. I think it's this way. Oh, I remember this wall. I'm like, wow, I can't believe that you remember these things. You know, it's been a year and you remember, oh, I remember this wall. We walked around this wall. And I was like, okay, all right, I'm going to trust you. And uh, so we went walking out there and uh, it's getting close to like midnight. We've been hiking for about an hour and a half, maybe close to two hours. And uh, I almost tripped over something. And uh, I looked down and it was the rest of our college and career class. They were just uh, camping out, not in a tent, just in their sleeping bags, right, basically right next to the, to the path. And we we're like, oh, hey guys. And they're like, yeah, hey, uh, you're here. And so we just set up. And uh, that was, uh, as far as I know, the first night where I slept literally under the stars. You know, I'm sleeping there and I'm looking up and I can see all the stars out in the sky. And so we slept there and and uh, so uh, we, we went out there and, you know, we're doing all of these things. And uh, if you want to eat hot food, you got to build a fire. Okay. But uh, we are not outdoorsmen. So we carried propane tanks and uh, we got these propane tanks and we hooked it up and we got the pots and we cooked the beans, you know, or whatever it is that we had, you know, but if you're going to get out there. You want to, you want to get a fire. In fact, that's part of the appeal of camping, right? I mean, who likes sleeping in the cold? on the hard ground, in the middle of nowhere, you know, you haven't showered in four days. I mean, at least you should get a campfire going, right? You know, you should get a nice fire, you know, cook the marshmallows, or in my case, somebody else will cook the marshmallows, you know, and have a good time, you know? But if you've ever tried chopping wood, you'll know that it's hard. It is not easy chopping wood, you know? You get a big ax and you, you chop the wood and the, you know, if you've never chopped wood before, you look at these guys and they make it look easy, you know? They take one swing and bam, you know, cuts in half, you know? And, but you know, if you've never done it before, you get in there and it barely looks like you got anything into the wood. And you're like, what, what is there? Maybe, uh, you know, this, you know, and you, you do it. But one of the things for sure is if you're going to get good wood for your fire, it needs to be dry. Okay, it needs to be dry because wet wood doesn't catch fire very well. Okay, the other thing is, it's way easier to cut dry wood than wet wood. If you've had wood that was sitting out in the rain, and I grew up in the Washington area, I mean, if wood is out, it's going to get wet, you know? And so if wood's been out there, 
it's like impossible to cut. So you just put it away, you let it dry out, after it dries out, then you cut it, right? So you could imagine that these people that are harvesting think the same way. Because they're not chopping wood, but they're still harvesting the grain, right? They got to get out there and they got to cut the stalks, right? So if you've got wheat, you know, oftentimes they would have like a, a guard on the leg and something that would protect their leg. They would take a sickle and they would just grab a bunch and wrap it around and put it against their leg and they would cut it. And then they would put it in their basket and they would just go down the row. But you could imagine that if all the wheat is wet, it's not going to cut very well. Or if it's corn or whatever it is, you can imagine that if it's wet, it's not going to cut very well. So when it's raining, nobody's out there harvesting, right? Because it's like impossible. I mean, what's the point of even going out there? You're not going to be able to do it, right? But let's take it another step further. Imagine you woke up on the morning and you're like, oh, it looks like it's going to rain today. It's not raining yet, but it looks like it's going to rain today. What do you do? Do you still get all ready, get all of your gear and get out there and it could rain in 30 minutes and by the time you're all ready, you get out there, it's raining already. So what do you do? Do you get out there? Do you get ready? Or do you just wait it out? Or do you think, you know what? It's probably going to rain today. You know what? Maybe today's not the day. You know what Solomon says? If you look at the clouds and let the clouds decide for you, whether you're going to get out and harvest, you're never going to harvest. If you look at the wind and wait till there's no wind at all to get out there, you'll never get the seed out there. You'll never get out there. And Solomon says, you know what? Generous people give in good days and bad days. You know, every one of us has tough times that we go through. Every one of us has difficulties. I'm sure that if, you know, not that we're going to, and, and not that, you know, even for some of us, we'll ever know all of the trials that we go through. But if we did, and we were able to be completely open and honest, we could go through every single one of you here, and every single one of you would have some sort of difficulty in your life, some trial, something that weighs upon your mind, something that weighs upon your spirit. It could be a health uh, difficulty in your life, could be a financial difficulty in your life, it could be some relationship, maybe a marriage, maybe with your children, maybe with your parents, maybe with just some relative, maybe with a, with a close friend of yours, maybe it's something to do in your ministry, maybe you're involved in a ministry, maybe it's with a, something that you're ministering to here in the church, maybe it's a lost soul, maybe it's in your workplace, I mean, every single one of us, I'm sure, could raise a hand and say, I'm going through something right now. There's something in my life that I'm praying about, something in my life that, that I, I, I'm really concerned about. And if you wait until you get perfectly sunny days in your life to be generous, you're never going to get it. There's always a cloud in the sky somewhere. There's always something that says, you know what, maybe there might be something. And I, I know that there's all sorts of reasons why we might say, you know what, I, I don't know if I could give right now. You know, are we going to go into a recession? Are we not going to go into a recession? Ah, what about my retirement? Uh, what about a down payment for my house? Uh, I might be really busy at work this quarter. Uh, I went to the doctors recently and they said, well, you know, maybe you should take a look at this. And, and uh, there's all sorts of things that we could always say and, and point to and say, well, you know, once this passes, then I'll give. Once I get through this, then I'll give. 
But once again, getting back to the spirit of generosity, the idea is that the farmer goes out every day that it's sowing season. It might be windy, it might be calm, it might not be as great when it's windy, but every day he desires to get out there. Proverbs chapter 20 says, The slugger will not plow by reason of the cold, therefore shall he beg and harvest and have nothing. The temptation is to always think that tomorrow will be better. But I hate to break it to you, tomorrow will not be a better day to give than today. It's going to be the same. Just as easy tomorrow and just as hard tomorrow as it is to give today. In fact, in many ways, tomorrow is harder to give. Tomorrow becomes more difficult. We might think, oh, you know, when I get older and this and that, you know, and, but, you know, as I get older, I, I know there are some limitations. You know, I remember when I was in my teen years and early 20s, you know, if I needed to, we would, we would do all sorts of things. I was helping, when I was a college student, I helped with, uh, with a youth group in my church and uh, they would do an annual lockdown. And so they would rent out a local school's gymnasium and uh, we would go in there, we would eat dinner and then we would go in there and the janitors would literally lock the doors and we were there all night. And so we played games in the gym literally all night from like eight o'clock at night until six o'clock in the morning. And we played every game imaginable. And I cannot imagine trying to do that today. <laughs> Man, I would be asleep by 12 o'clock, you know, kids, just don't break anything, I'm going to bed, you know? And uh, your energy begins to drop. And uh, the time, and you know, I have a family now, and I'm not able to do as much as I used to before, and there's all sorts of different limitations. Every season has its limitations. Every season has its opportunities. Maybe you couldn't do that before. Now you can do something different. But the admonition is, while you have opportunity today, let's give today. Hebrews chapter 3 says, but exhort one another daily while it is called today. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Proverbs chapter 22 gives us the same warning. The slothful man saith, there is a lion without, I shall be slain in the streets. Is there really a lion without? There's not really a lion without. But the slothful doesn't want to get out there, so he comes up with a reason or excuse why he cannot get out there. Which brings us all again back to the attitude of generosity. The attitude of generosity again is, if I could, I would. I want to. I want to give. I want to serve. I want to be there. I want to participate. And even beyond, if I could, I would. But we're all limited. But that's the attitude that God desires of us. And though we don't always see the fruits and rewards, God promises to bless every giving believer.